Hello, this is the Unexpected Podcast. I'm your host, Deborah Brooks. I'm a speech language pathologist who found herself unexpectedly expecting. Tune in as I update you week by week along my pregnancy journey. Episodes will also feature chats with new and expecting moms. So let's get into it. This is 32 Weeks. Hello, eight months pregnant. I'm very excited because I'm having a baby shower soon. I am doing it over Zoom, but what? It's a pandemic. What are you going to do? Before we talk too much about me, let's hear about what you should expect at 32 Weeks Pregnant. At 32 weeks, your baby is about the size of a cantaloupe, weighing in at 3.5 to 4 pounds. All of the baby's major organs are fully developed now except for the lungs. Their chances for survival if they are born this week are great. Breathing practice, your baby is inhaling amniotic fluid to give their lungs some practice. Their skin is changing. Say bye-bye to that see-through baby. This week, your baby's skin is now opaque instead of transparent. Um, I'm feeling good. I um, I look and I feel quite large, but I did just have a major pasta dinner celebrating my friend Becky's birthday. Um, I go to the doctor tomorrow and we'll find out just about how much my baby weighs. Um, I have a lot of heartburn. It's real. Um, it's hard to bend. It's hard for me to sit for long periods of time. Uh, he kicks and jabs and turns a whole lot. There. Um, then when he's quiet and settled, though, I get all nervous and I poke him or shine a light on my stomach to make sure that he's all right. Uh, so I'm sure that says plenty about me and the parent that I will be in the future. Um, but yeah, things are great and, uh, let's not dwell too much here. Let's, uh, hear the rest of Esther's story. Is there anything because of the anesthesia, you're just like pretty standard. Yeah, like one or two glass of wine, Loopy, but still like I can have a conversation. So anyways, I guess my advice is like, get out of thinking about your C-section and talk to someone about something dumb. Literally, mm-hmm. sports, the weather, what month it is. Like, don't go into like the mindset of like I'm getting cut open because perhaps right. it could be traumatizing. Yeah. Yeah. Anyways, like the baby came out and the picture of me meeting my son, I looked like confused. I looked loopy and confused. And I wish I smiled. So Uh even if you don't feel like smiling, when someone hands you your baby and you're like, ew, what is that? Just (laughs) fake a smile. (laughs) What I would do to go back and just be like, instead of this odd, like, confusion, like, wait, what? That's what he looks like? (laughs) I think I was confused by how big he was. Like, I really expected 9.5 pounds. And when he came out, they were like, well, no wonder he couldn't drop. He was really big. And I'm like. Didn't everyone know that the whole time? No. My doctor kept assuring me that he was not able to tell me how much the baby weighed. Huh. Because there's no actual way to tell how much the baby weighs. But I'm like, but you can guess. Right. They can estimate. Well, they said they're going to tell me next week. But 
Every, every doctor's so different. So, and then if they, you know, maybe it's like, oh, he, if he gets it wrong, he doesn't want to be wrong. Right. True. There's no like absolute answer, but I would have loved to even hear that my baby was going to be on the heavier side. Now that I think about it, it's like, of course my baby was going to be on the heavier side. I was enormous. I was going to ask you that. I mean, like your husband is very tall, but what were you like as a baby? Oh, I think I was like pretty average, slightly on the bigger, but like, I'm pretty sure I was like seven pounds. I think okay, that's kind of average and no one knows that my Noah's mom passed and like th- how much he weighed at birth is like not really known or maybe it's known, but like how he was as a baby, everyone's like, I don't know. Right. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And I'm like, who can we ask? No, no one knows. <laughs> Oh no. I know, but like a lot of his childhood memories are like, I don't know. I don't know. Right. Yeah. Like, what age did you talk? He's like, I don't know. What age did you walk? I'm not sure. Well, he doesn't. He's somebody else had to write that down. Now I'm like, no one remembers. Nobody, nobody. (laughs) There's no one to get this. Um, but yeah, the baby came out, and not only was he like nine and a half pounds, he had muscles. (laughs) <laughs> and full head connect control. Like he popped his head up and was literally came out of the womb with, with, um, lifting his head. Oh, did they hand him to you? Cause this is my next thing. So I heard they kind of like on a hovered him. They hovered him. Me. And your I arm was tied him. down. One of them. I don't think my arm was no? tied down. They kind of hovered him to me, okay. which now I'm like, thank God he didn't hand him to me. Cause I still I have issues holding my own kid. Mm -hmm. So there's pros and cons to having a really, really big boy. Mm -hmm. And the, the pro is like, you can kind of relax. He's not a preemie. He's not a gentle, delicate butterfly that you feel like is going to suffocate. But, um, the con is that holding him is very painful and challenging holding my kid. Yeah. Cause he's heavy. I mean, because he's heavy. You didn't know that you should have been gained. Try like, to grab a 30 pound you. dumbbell with one hand. Yeah. And then put that 30 pound weight next to your boob. Yeah. And try to hold it there for a minute and a half. Yeah. That's yeah. what I'm dealing with. Mm-hmm. But no boob because I um. So I thought that I was in the clear. Yeah. I had my baby. They cut him out. We're good. And it turns out. Um. The hard part was afterwards, 24 hours of having the baby. He was like pretty sleepy and pretty quiet and pretty adorable. We're all thrilled. And they made Noah go home like to Brooklyn. And I was like alone for with the first 24 hours. They made him because of COVID or like COVID. And I had to like share a room with someone. Okay. And then they just didn't want extra people. I don't know. Everyone uses COVID like, oh, sorry for the shipping delay. COVID. Right. Yeah. Oh, he needs, but he needed to leave because of COVID. Whatever. Hmm. Then he came back. So it's my second day postpartum and he is with me and the baby's with me. And this is the point where they put so much pressure on you. Like the first 24 hours, it's fine. If he doesn't eat, it's fine. Right. The second 24 hours. It's like, if he doesn't eat, he's going to die. And you, and I felt this huge amount of pressure to all of a sudden, like learn how to breastfeed, which I guess I didn't spend a lot of time thinking about. Right. And now I was feeling like they had all these lactation consultants. They had this person and that person. And, um, 
I had a nurse, a lactation consultant, like squeeze what I would say was the most tender boob in the whole wide world. Like usually my boobs get a little sensitive on my period. And this was just like, it was an 11 out of 10 pain. Yeah. She grabbed my boob and like, you know, they, I guess they call it expressing Expressing, and try to express colostrum, which is to me looked like honey. On a spoon? Did they do it? At first it was, they tried everything, but I think we ended up on the spoon. Mm -hmm. She tried to express this, what looks like a drop of honey Mm -hmm. from my like tender, sore boobs. And at this point I can't really stand up very well. I can't walk. I had to pee. They like took my catheter out and then I had to like walk to the bathroom, which was only a couple steps and pee. Yeah. And just those movements were like impossible to me. Yeah. See, that's my concern, which I know, you, like you said, like you just don't get to choose and it's what's going to happen. And I'm trying to, I will be flexible. It's like, no matter what though, <sighs> it's lose, lose. Cause like yeah. your pussy's going to be busted open right? or your abs are going to be busted open. So one of them the better one is pussy. The better one is you want your vagina. I think I might also grass is greener. Um, it de- also depends on like your tearing and your ripping and all that. But my vagina right. was in perfect condition. No tears, no rips, no nothing. Everything feels the same, looks the same. Like there is nothing. Right. Yeah. But I, um, for probably one week had trouble like getting up, walking around, going to the bathroom. And for like two weeks was in a lot of pain and they gave me codeine, but then I'm like, why am I taking codeine? And I'm also trying to breastfeed. Like, yeah. isn't, that, isn't that crazy? Yeah. They were giving, and then none of the painkillers compared to the epidural. And then I don't even like the idea of being on painkillers when I'm actually in pain. I like painkillers when I'm at a club. When it's fun. Exactly. I was like, oh, so I ended up not even taking the amount that they gave me. And they were also like, it's going to constipate you. So here's stool softener. I'm like, what are we doing? So I'm getting painkillers that are going to constipate me. So I'm going to take stool softener, but I can't really get up and going to the bathroom hurts. I didn't realize how much, you know, pain I was going to be in. But now that I'm nine months in, I can just say it's just a little memory you know, pain yeah. happens, you get through it. And then it becomes this distant memory. Like, well, I'm not afraid of pain. Just- I want independence. So many people want to help me. And I'm just like, you can, I'll need help with, with my dogs, with the laundry. Take the help. Take I, it. Under, that's what Noah said to Mike when he was at your apartment, getting all the stuff that you guys gave us. Thank you. If anyone wants help, take the help, take the clothes, no, take the food. I don't want anybody near me. I don't want anybody's advice. I don't want anyone taking my baby. I just want to be independent. Like I want people to help me. Like they can do dishes or help clean my house. The best thing that we had. And of course, COVID kind of creates this boundary. Like don't come over. Don't visit. Yeah. For better or for worse. No one visited me in the hospital. Right. Because it was COVID. Mm -hmm. Perhaps in a normal world, I'd have a bunch of people in the hospital. Right. And it would irritate me. Or maybe it would be amazing. I don't know, but my situation was I had no one except for Noah and right. even he was sent home. And when we had people here, it was just my mom and my dad, mm-hmm. you know, and, in normal and I'm world. Sure maybe I'll feel different. I don't know why in my head, it just makes me so like cringy. You don't need anyone, but you don't need anyone. And there's nothing that anyone can do for you, by the way, because 
the dishes, like fuck the dishes, like whether they get done or not, who cares? Yeah. You're not, you're not trying to show off your apartment. So like whether you get the dishes done or not, who cares? You need to eat. So the best thing that ever happened was a meal train where people had signed up. I think Noah's sister organized it, but you message a bunch of people and say, would you like to sign up for a meal train? And then they're like, yeah. So then you basically a few weeks before you give birth, you write a list of your absolute favorite restaurants. Maybe it's sweet green, maybe it's Chipotle, and you write down what you would normally order from those places. Oh. And then people sign up, like me and Noah would love to sign up, send you guys, and it's whoever's there. So it would be two burritos from Chipotle if that's what you want, or right. two salads from sweet green, or two, or whatever it is. You could do whatever your order is, but you let people know, and I can sign up and and get seamless web, and then all of a sudden knock, knock, knock someone drops off right, a delivery and then great. you eat it. And that's it. That's the only way me, if I wanted to help you, that's the only way I would be able to send you food right. from my computer, which is amazing that we have all this technology. Yeah. I and, think that's fantastic. That's a fantastic way to help. But I can't help you breastfeed. Right. Well, my I sister is a lactation you. consultant, so she is going to might come, be able to. And but even I don't then, feel nervous about her. Oh, is well, whatever you're nervous about, you know, I feel I do nervous think- about like family being overbearing. Like I remember my grandmother being way too intense with my aunts and she lost all confidence. And I don't think anybody can have that impact on me because I, I have, I, I work with kids, like parents ask me for advice. So like, I am pretty confident, but I don't have a lot of tolerance for aggravation. Can you just not, well, you don't owe anyone a conversation. Right. You don't have to open the door to people. If <laughs> it's like it's such a vulnerable time. Yeah. I would That's what like I also I'm like, am I gonna be most... shitting myself? I don't want somebody being like, Oh, I'll play with your baby while you're like you don't leaking need anyone. There's no plan like <laughs> yeah. to me, it's like there's no playing with your there's no playing. Sorry, right. he's not two years old and trying to play ball. Right. He's, he's not little. Or she, I don't know. I have a boy, yeah. Oh, yeah, yeah. So <laughs> he's like going to be a blob who's going to shit his pants. Mike's going to change the diaper. Yeah. I and then you're going to have to breastfeed and that's your entire life. Or not yeah. breastfeed, formula. Either mm-hmm. way, feeding the kid is like to me, a mom's job, like especially the first month is like your entire focus is feeding this kid. Mm-hmm. There's nothing else on the agenda. There's no playing. Right. Yeah. No playing. There's There's holding though and feeding. Yeah. Holding. I guess I just don't want anyone taking my baby away from me, but that's, I'm not even there yet, but But maybe I'll be tired and I'll need to like get a nap. Also all all your confidence and all your like wherewithal. Mm -hmm. I'm not going to say that it could, that get, it's going to do this and this is going to happen. But for me, I felt so like weak and so vulnerable and so emotional mm-hmm. and like my baby and like, I'm trying to figure out this breastfeeding thing. And it's like this confident prickly, I don't want to say I'm prickly, but any kind of confident, I like, mean, don't tell me what to do. Yeah. It just didn't exist. And instead I was like, um, like, I think I'm doing this. Like I tried <laughs> this and yeah, as, as much knowledge as I had, it's like, who cares not 
the classes are like, this is how you change a diaper. And it's like, no one teaches you how to change a diaper while a kid is crying. You change a diaper on a doll. Right. Yes. yes. And like, no one teaches you how to breastfeed with a kid who has a tongue tie or a kid like, or your, it's like, everything is so individual and no matter what, it's up to you and you're a mom and it's just you. It's just you. No matter how many million of women can stand there going, you should try this. Did you try that? Did you do this? Did you do that? Let me play with it. No, no. You're the mom and there's a baby. And the only person who can do this is you. There's nothing. No one. And there's no advice. Right. Because I can't tell you that your kid's going to latch perfectly. Your kid could latch perfectly. And you can have an amazing amount of milk. And then what the hell? No one can give you. And then, or the opposite. Right. I don't know. You don't know. know. We don't know. One can't plan too much. Yeah. I mean, yeah. And then, and he, we tried, we did the breastfeeding thing for a while, but he was so hungry. Was he tongue tied? Is that what you mentioned that? No. No, I just hear it all the time. I just hear like, wow, my baby's tongue tied. My baby this. It's like. Well, it's a speech thing too. So I always. I don't think think he's tongue tied. Well, sure he's not. I don't think he is. I think it's like I have like a lip tie. You could see this like tissue right here. Yeah. I mean, everyone's got it. So your lip doesn't go anywhere. Yours is teeny. So it doesn't really. <laughs> I don't know. So it's, it's like normal. Mine made me have like a space between my teeth, but then they got bigger and grew in. But tongue tie, like if they stick out their tongue, it will look like that more than it will. They can't get the tongue elevation. See, you're just like so jam-packed with information that you're going to be so great, but it's also like But I'm going to be a snot. I'm going to be a big snot. I think I can tell. If you, but why not? I don't know. It's your time. It's like your wedding. It's all about you. It's your baby. It's all about you. It's mm-hmm. not about anyone else. Yeah. It's really not. If so-and-so wants to visit and you really don't want so-and-so to visit, just be like, I'm, I, I'm really not in the mood. Right. Like- take care of yourself. Yes. That's the best you, advice I think that you can give. If you don't feel like having people over, tell them that the door is closed and locked, but you are open to accept food. If you <laughs> yes. want to give us food, you can drop it off at the front door, <laughs> but otherwise you are alone and busy because your boobies are going to be out all the time. And it's right, going to be that too. And I didn't start off like people always talk, like people always talk about like pregnancy boots, how they're like so great. Like I started off with triple D's. So I did not like have some miracle boob transformation. Like I'm just getting larger and larger and looking increasingly ridiculous. Like I don't, I'm not going to have like cute boobs out. It's not about cute though. It's, there's a crying baby. And those cries, I feel like, are designed to make you go crazy. Yeah. Every baby is designed to make their own mom go nuts. And you're going to hear a cry, and then your boobies are going to be like, feed him. You're so connected. It's so not- were you able to breastfeed, or did you stop? I did breastfeed. Yeah. I did breastfeed, but I felt like he was on my boob for like 45 minutes. And okay. I'm like, okay, time's up. Mm-hmm. And then he was still hungry. And I'm like... He was on my left boob for 25 minutes. He was on my right boob for 30 minutes. How is he still hungry? And I'd get mad at him. I would mm-hmm. get mad at my child mm-hmm. who is like two days old or five days old or one week. Right. 
and be like, how is he still hungry? I, he was on my boat for 10 hours. <laughs> and it was real. It was a real anger that I needed to fix because yeah. a happy mommy is more important than anything else. And I also was like, at a certain, yeah, no, I mean, we're done. After mm-hmm. 45 or 50 minutes of you sucking my boob, which hurts really bad, but like we had a little issue latching, then we used a um a nipple guard, issue. which was very helpful for me. And then after a while, we we could latch without the nipple guard. So for me, the nipple guard felt like training wheels. Right. It was like a, it it helped me mold my boob into more nipply. Mm-hmm. Anyways, it went on for a while and I just had to start supplementing with formula. Okay. And then we breastfed for like three months and then we switched to formula. I was happy and the baby was stoked. Right. Like I swear he loved formula and it wasn't (laughs) just the normal formula. We got him like Similac Pro Sensitive. So it was Uh kind of a fancy formula. And then, um, and then your husband can do some of the feedings too, which took ah, the burden yeah. off of you. And I was pumping. So he was able to do some feedings because I was pumping and I was mm-hmm. like, I was stressing about producing. I kept thinking that if I had an average size baby, I would have been perfectly fine with the baby on my boob. Right. But because I had this monster size, hungry, crazy 10 pound boy, no matter how much I pumped, no matter how much he was sucking, it was never enough. Right. And then that became, you know, I felt like I had a little bit of postpartum during those moments where I'm like, I am trying everything. I'm drinking 10 glasses of water. I'm right. I'm eating so much. I'm trying, I'm trying, I'm trying. And Noah was like, he's still crying. He's still hungry. And it's like, yeah, I know. I'm try-. So I just felt like all this pressure was on me. And that's like the most vulnerable, most sensitive topic was feed- a mother feeding her baby. Yeah. And yeah. Like- and then when we made the full switch to formula, mm-hmm. my life got a lot better. That's good. So the, what did you, did you put the cold cabbage on your boobies? No, nothing. What did you use? You, you wrap them. How do you we, just stop? I just, well, I asked my mom and she was like, you know, one day I just stopped and I was oh. like, really? And she was like, yeah, I stopped. And it was really, really painful for a couple of days. I was like, okay. So I decided I spent some time doing less and less time pumping less and less time feeding. Mm-hmm. and tried to like send the message to my boobs that like we no longer need your milk and it took me probably a full week to kind of get them to not hurt that much or get them and I was like okay I'm done all of a sudden I was like okay I'm done but I wasn't done because I had like lumpy boobies mm. like it almost felt like I'm like oh my god do I have cancer you had to like and, massage or something and I had to I put I was so I went into like, I like YouTube videos about unclogged clogged ducks and like that mm-hmm. word just like, it was like, maybe I have it. Maybe this is what it is. You're always trying to discover. Yeah. Maybe I have this, you know, like maybe. And so I started to like really rub out my boobs and like not much was happening. So I got out of the bathtub and I literally rang them out like they were a towel. And I started to go in. Like twisting? I think I was twisting with like my palm. Okay. My fingers was like wringing them out. And I just kept doing this motion of like 
bringing them out. It felt like, I guess that's like the word that really okay. resonates. And finally it like went like, and started just spraying milk into the oh. air. <laughs> Okay, that's unexpected. And so that went on. I started to like all of a sudden all these little, you know, your nipple has like little dots on it or at least mine does. And then like. That was something I've seen on YouTube. So you would think like, you know, you know, bottles have one hole. It comes out. But no, nipples, they have like. All kinds of crazy sprinkler (laughs) system. And it's like. You don't get to know your boobies until your boobies are spraying milk into the living room. Every direction. And so I grabbed a towel and I just held it on the towel and I'm like, whoa, Noah, you're never going to believe this. It's spraying milk. And like all this time I had beat myself up over not being able to produce enough for this kid. And then I'm in the living room just spraying milk into a towel and felt like, what am I doing? Like, oh, I need to (laughs) save some of it. I'm like, so then after that, my boobs went from this like hard, rock hard, lumpy booby to empty bags. And that's where we're at. There's still, there's still, I still have a good squish to them, but it's like, you know, now they're, I think personally, a healthy boob is a really mushy boob. So when you're done weaning, it shouldn't be rock hard. You're still like that to me is you need to clear out some ducks. You should not have a rock hard boob. You shouldn't have a lumpy boob. You got to have a mushy. It should feel like (laughs) Play-Doh. But that only happens when you're done weaning, when you're done clearing out. Like I'm like, I think to people who are like breastfeeding and you're wanting to wean, like you're not done until you're done. Like you think you're done and then many days and then what can happen obviously is like infections and stuff. Yeah. Oh, like all you need now is the pressure. But while this is happening, <laughs> I'm getting ready for my special. And by right. the way, I have waited my whole, like I've done comedy for like 12 years, waited my whole life to do a comedy special. And somehow, some way the, the opportunity presented itself Six weeks postpartum in a pandemic. And I'm like, I will take this opportunity and make the best of it. And on my way to the special, I'm flying on a plane without my baby because it was happening in um, L.A. Uh It was going to be a drive-in. It's a drive-in special. And I get on the plane and I'm a little nervous because I have – I didn't have milk on me, but the next time I was going to be traveling, I was going to have milk, but no baby. Right. I was breastfeeding, but it doesn't mean TSA agents don't. And it's liquid. So they might be. Exactly. So you're like, oh, I'm sorry of liquid coming out Mm -hmm. of my boobs. Right. (sighs) So I'm getting on the plane and there's no restaurants open, no nothing open. And I'm like, when I was pregnant, I was hungry. And when I was breastfeeding, I was so hungry. (laughs) I was like, get me food. And um, there was no food at the airport because of COVID. Because of COVID. Oh, my and God. And I got on the plane, and they're like, we don't have any food. And I'm like, wait, <laughs> what? I literally was looking at the menu, and there was no menu. Oh, my gosh. I'm like, gosh. they took the menu away? And I'm, like, worried about my special. But then I also need to continue pumping because I, you know, as you probably know from having a sister who's a lactation consultant, you have to come you cannot just stop, especially someone like me, who's so focused on trying to make more and more and more milk. Right. 
So I was like, I can't stop. I have to keep going. I have to pump. So I'm on the plane and my boobs were hurting again, that like rock hard boob, right? The kind of boob you want. You always want to like release and express or pump. And I took out a hand pump, which is a great option. I think everyone yesterday in the mail. Great. Enjoy. So I get the (laughs) pump and I'm hand pumping my boob and I'm on a six hour flight and I'm starving and I drank my own breast milk. Oh, good. How'd it taste? It tasted like an almond milk with a kick at the end, like a weird aftertaste. Uh At first it's like, this is sweet. And then the aftertaste is like, what was that? But actually it wasn't that bad. And knowing that I was giving myself like nutrients and what it was pretty ridiculous because I wasn't planning on drinking my own breast milk but while (laughs) I was on a plane and I was so hungry, which means I was wearing a mask. I was pumping under my shirt and then drank my own breast milk. And there had to have been like men in my peripheral vision who saw a woman in a mask pump and then drink her own breast milk. Like You'll never what see kind them of again. crazy bitch. <laughs> and I was like, this is where my confidence comes in where I'm like, yeah, that's right. I make my own food. <laughs> what can exactly. you do? You can't do anything. Can Nothing. you? you can Useless. That's it. I was such a terrifying uh, <laughs> woman on the plane there. And then I got to do my special and my boobs have never looked better. Oh, good. Good. Because they were huge, <laughs> but I was also big. Like I wasn't used to seeing myself. So, I mean, I guess I was used to it because of being pregnant, but being pregnant is different than post. But anyways, the special was a lot of fun. And I actually like talked about the experience and like that also saved me for the postpartum depression. I think like um, the depression. Depression part of it is so complicated in my opinion, because it wasn't depression to me is uh-huh. being like moping around my house, feeling like dismay and feeling emptiness and feeling like what's the point of anything and kind of like sipping tea and looking out the window and listening to sad music and being like super de-energized. Right. To me, that is depression into to my world. And I've like slipped into like seasonal depression before, but nothing too extreme. But also like I've had issues. Now, my experience with postpartum was very different because I'd have this wave of like euphoria of like bliss and feeling. Uh And then I'd have this wave of like, I guess I'll never make enough food. You'll never stop crying. You're like manic, depressant. Exactly. It's like waves of happiness and then waves of like what like do I even love him? Do I even, I can't even feed him. Like I'm not (laughs) good at this. Right. Yeah. So then, um, shifting out of those two emotions and going into, and by the way, all my friends told me that I was euphoric, that I would like call them being like, it's just so amazing. (laughs) So I also think like, when I reach out to my friends, I'm feeling euphoric. Right. When I'm depressed, I'm not calling you. You right. will not see depressed Esther because she doesn't want to talk to you. Right. Yeah. Yeah. No, that makes sense. But uh, then um, with the trying to prepare for the special, I was just like, now I'm running jokes. Now I'm doing this. And it, I started to like get in touch with like old Esther, like the Esther who 
all she cared about was the best punchline. Right. And that's, and that saved me a little bit. Right. And well, once was, again, it goes back to your C-section story. It, it took you out yeah. of being like faced with reality or what was like happening behind a curtain. Yeah. And what reality was, was I didn't feel pain, mm-hmm. but your brain can sometimes go to a crazy place of like worry, anxiety, fear, Yeah, even though you're physically not necessarily uncomfortable. But yeah. you're just like, oh, I, I do think like shots and getting blood taken is so gross to me, mm-hmm. but it's not necessarily physically hard. It's just like, Ugh, I get yeah, squirmy. Like, yeah. Well, they're like, like taking blood. Messing with you. Yeah. Ugh. But then, yeah, I think, I think mentally getting out of your own way, like, uh, but, but you know, I, I, doing your own thing, like then I started a podcast and started talking to people and like it in a way saved my life, like saved me from getting too depressed because it's like, I had a purpose other than being a mom. I had a little bit of like, I have to go do a thing. I need to go do a show. It wasn't just me with my boobs out, freaking out. Did I make enough milk? Right. There are other things to freak out about. Yeah. Yeah. And that like the special, like just save me. And then like two or like four months in, I did the scary mommy um, show. And then we, they were kind of talking about breast milk on TV. And I'm like, wait a minute, is the world shifting? (laughs) And I just felt like either my life has become all mommy, 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 or the world is becoming mommy, mommy, mommy. But while COVID was, while COVID is happening, right. The the one thing, like, for instance, when you're making a joke, you're on stage telling a joke in the middle of a pandemic, like your little mishap on your way to work is just like, what are you talking about? People are dying in hospitals. Why are you like, sometimes I'm like, why would I make a joke about this? People are dying in hospitals. Right. They're overcrowded. We don't like we're in a pandemic, but motherhood stays relevant and important. Like there's no, it's like, you can't belittle what I'm going through. And I'm my own critic. I'm my own, like, is this important right now in the world? Do we really want to hear it? Like we're having a, a, you know, (laughs) like black lives matter protests and like important things are happening. And really Esther, what do you have to say? And it's like, what I have to say is, um, breastfeeding is hard. <laughs> yeah. And that's true. And <laughs> it's like, it's then I would watch like animal planet, like my planet, our planet. And you just see the sacrifices that mothers make for their children in all species. And then you, I started to feel like really connected to all mothers, like whether it's animals or people. And then you're like, Oh shit, this is bigger than me. This is deep. Yeah. 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 And I was like, this is a very deep topic. Mm -hmm. And I also felt like I'm so lucky to have done the special postpartum. Okay. Because pregnancy, you're just thinking about, wondering about, and getting lots of sleep. I hope I got lots of sleep at least. Mm -hmm. Um, And then having the baby is, is like this peek into your motherhood, like being six weeks into motherhood and performing was just the most vulnerable or fragile or crazy time. But I wasn't talking about like, I'm pregnant and I hope this happens. It's like, nah, I'm a mom. 
Right. And yeah. It felt really good. Also, the trick tricky part was my um due date was like right after Mother's Day. Um, so obviously I was not I was pregnant while during Mother's Day. Right. But I was like 39 weeks or something. Right. And I was like, do I get to celebrate Mother's Day? <laughs> Did you or is this gonna be your first one? Um, we like halfway celebrated it, yeah. but I kept wondering and I kept fighting for it. I'm like, I think I should. And I like Googled it and people were like, you know, you're not, there was like a man who posts like, you're not a mom until you're a mom. So you don't get to celebrate mother's day. And I'm like, that's not true because blah, blah, blah. Like if you're caring for someone, right. Which you are and you're nurturing someone and you're sober and you're all these things like you're a mom but right. now that like of course now that I'm a mom like well I wasn't really a mom while I was pregnant it's like it'll be my first true celebration without any question marks and right. then that'll be great um but I have like a joke that's like my kid wasn't even born yet but he already got me a mother's day gift <laughs> so sweet it was cellulite stretch marks and, and a c-section scar <laughs> like so sweet yeah my body like changed changed and I'm fine yeah. with it I've are you all it. like you were all stitched up and healed and six weeks later or what was that um I was pretty healed yeah like okay. it heals I like wasn't if you had to put your shoe on you didn't yeah. need help yeah no problem I can put my shoes on I can do this and do that the only the big issue I had was if I stood for a while or went on a long walk, my back pain would hurt. Now, why in the world would a C-section create back pain? I can't tell you. That needle. I don't know. No? I I think that- That epidural? No, I don't know. I don't think so. I think what it is is, because I went to physical therapy. That was Uh like key for me. I started PT when I was like, I want to say like four months postpartum Mm -hmm. and like- I cannot recommend it enough. It was like pelvic floor physical therapist. And basically I went to her being like, I'm healed. I'm okay to exercise according to my doctor, but, but I'm still feeling a ton of pain and I'm nowhere near normal. And they were like, great, let's get you there. So we did all these exercises and workouts. And I think it's about your core. And I also think it's about muscles that I wasn't working on or that had been sitting around not doing much yeah, or for whatever reason that I can't explain because I'm not a physical therapist. Mm -hmm. um, I just experienced a lot of back pain and it took four months of physical therapy and working out under a physical therapist to get me to feel pretty close to normal. Wow. Okay. So that's, so that's again, like the one thing that I keep worrying about is like just wanting to feel physically capable and normal. So at least the physical therapist is a solution to that, but it took you a while. Yeah. There's no way of telling someone you're going to feel great afterwards. You're going to heal up so quickly. You're going to, I mean, I just, I think like vaginal birth, I'm pretty sure you get back to doing physical activity much quicker. Well, they give you less time off and they give you more disability if you have a C-section. So that must be the case. Like vaginal must be. Yeah. I was really disappointed when I was still in pain. Like I was like, wait, (laughs) why am I still hurting? 
excuse me, why am I? And there's like, it's this anger and this frustration and this confusion. You're like, excuse me, the internet says that I shouldn't. And then you're go. And there's no one to blame. There's no one to get mad at. There's no one to kind of like punch in the face. You just have to go. But like, I guess reaching out for a physical therapist would be like, I think there's certain countries like again, France, where whether you have an amazing birth, whether you have a C-section or a vaginal, whether you're in pain or no pain, you go to a pelvic floor physical therapist Uh and you kind of get checked out and you work on your um, like physical movements to get your strength back. But Did I you read so, bringing up baby? Was that one? Of I your- didn't, but it was recommended to me. Yeah, I read I'm so many books one now. I heard it was all about great. French stuff and you I know. brought up French stuff twice. So I, thought I know. Maybe- Cause I think, I think to me, like French just do it a little different. And I yeah. think I've, I've, I'm probably, I should have read it, but maybe I just ended up stumbling upon that information later. Maybe I'll read it now, (laughs) but I, I definitely feel like I like things that are different just to be like, in some places you're required to go to a physical therapist. So don't tell me that I'm due at 41 weeks when there's countries that call me 42 weeks. There's some places that will say I'm due at 40 weeks. So, so who's right. You're talking about a human body. It's complicated. There's no rules. And it's also like all, all recommendations are made based off research studies. And then also, so if you're going to do a research study, you need to have a research proposal and you have to show a bunch of sharks why you need to investigate this thing and how it's going to bring them money really like yeah. so you have to get funding for your research and and people don't really like every birth recommendation is based on ancient research studies like there is no money in making birth and all that women stuff easier yeah it's like, like fix a penis they'll give you money yeah Yeah. I mean, and then there's not a lot of time to do the speculating after the baby. There's not a lot of time to like, there's no one to fight. Like I want to get into an argument about how much back pain I'm in or my C-section scar. Like who, who do I call and complain to the doctor who delivered a perfectly healthy child? Right. Do you feel like your scar is very big Mm. or something or it's, yeah, it's like a big, big scar. Yeah. I would say it's a big scar. I don't know if it's big compared to the next lady, Yeah, but I mean, it's a big scar, but you know, it's like, it's, it's maybe low though, right? Like it'll hide in your, yeah. Pubes. It's like inside of the pubes. Like I wasn't showing off that area anyways. Mm-hmm. So it's all good. It really is all good. If yeah. you have a C-section and get a big fat C-section scar, yeah. you're going to be fine. It's going to be great. You join the fucking club. Welcome to the club. I didn't want <laughs> yeah. one and I have one. Yeah. And I think that it Branded. takes like a little bit of um maybe it is like you you grow up and as vain as I was and as much as I liked my teeny tiny waist and as much as I liked my body with absolutely no scars and my boobies that were perky and gorgeous that's just I don't have that anymore. Yeah. So I just kind of have come to terms with what I look like or what my body looks like. Well, you could just have one more baby and then just go back to that old body you had, just like go to a doctor and show them an old nude. 
there's not a chance that you can create <laughs> like, well, the perkiness can. of my former tatas. <laughs> well, I was never there. So I'm excited. Once I have my second baby, I'm going, I'm going to get like perfect C's. Oh yeah. Seven. Yeah. Because I've had, I've had big boobs since the sixth grade. So you want a reduction you're saying? Oh, hell yeah. I've wanted one my whole life, but then everyone's like, if you have one, you can't breastfeed because you remove too much breast tissue. Okay. Thanks. Thank you for your information, doctor, friend, (laughs) doctor, neighbor. Yeah. Um, I would say do whatever the fuck (laughs) you want to your own body. Yeah. You want this? You want that? Go for it. If I'm, if I have another kid and I'm like just dying to like remove this thingy fat from my body, like Maybe I'll get a liposuction. Like that's I think what I, I tell used myself. to have. Maybe I won't care, or maybe I won't. But like I just keep. That's what I keep telling myself. Do whatever you want yeah. because it's your body and no one else's, and it's up to you. Mm-hmm. So everyone can fuck off. Yeah, exactly. I actually get annoyed when people pressure other people to have a baby. I'm like, how uh. dare you? Stop asking women. Oh, when are you gonna have? Yeah, when no. are you gonna have a baby? Because or what are you gonna pay for the nanny? Are you gonna pay for no. the blah blah blah? Are you gonna be? No, you're not going to breastfeed. So don't tell no. other people how to do anything. Mind your own business. That's the only yeah. thing I don't mind my own business is telling, like, I will shout from the rooftop to for everyone to mind their own fucking business. Yeah. I mean, no one's ever, I, I mean, I haven't experienced that yet, but I do hear lots of people who go through that. Like everyone's like, when are you going to have a baby? I mean, this one was. Or even if they're like, are you drinking coffee? You're not eating sushi, yes, are you? I am drinking coffee. I drink coffee. I one drink cup. One cup. I mean, I don't even, I don't even And my it, doctor but- told me that it was okay to eat sushi because yeah, it's not going to hurt. a good place. And it's like, but, but for instance, it's someone walking up to you and saying, you better not be drinking. My showers might be a little too long and a little too warm. Really? Do you I feel kicking while you're? No, I just, I just, uh, contrary to recommendation, I don't think there's anything happening to my baby, but like I have a thermometer in there now because I'm all nervous because I there's just like part a of me, shower. There's part of me that thinks that babies are like so fragile and you have to be so, there's part of me that's like, they're so durable. They're not going, like your body is made for this. There's so much cushion. There's so much durability. Yeah. There's, um, But yeah, I, I, I'm really big on like clearing out the crazy noise around you. Mm-hmm. Like whoever's trying to give you advice, they can fuck off. Whoever's trying to tell you what to do, they can fuck off. Don't, you know, like if you, if someone were to enter the breastfeeding journey and have a great time with it, don't start lecturing someone else. Did you try this? Did you try this? Because it's like, just because you're having an easy time with it doesn't mean that the next person, did you try this? Yes. And some people, some people, it just isn't, it just isn't the same or yeah. Someone's not producing enough milk. Someone's producing too much and everything in between. So don't come to me with your advice no, because you don't know what I'm going through. You have to be flexible. You can't, I mean, I, I, my one fantasy that I keep having is like having the baby and like wanting to hold him right away. And I'm like, don't do that because you might have a C-section. You might be like knocked out. You might not be able to hold this baby right away. But like, that's the only fantasy I keep having 
Well, I can guarantee you, you're going to hold that baby so much that you are going to one day be like, can someone hold this baby? (laughs) You will hold that thing, whether it's immediate. I mean, the first moment, again, my first moment was so lame. And now it's like nine months in and I'm like, he's (laughs) not, he doesn't dazzle me the way he, some days I look at him and I'm like, He's so glorious. I can't believe I'm a mom. And some days I'm like, you're annoying the fuck out of me. Right. Well, that makes sense. I mean, you're with him all day. Anyone you're with all day. Yeah. He's wonderful and perfect. I think that I take for granted how healthy he is Mm -hmm. because I have conversations with women who have the NICU and the, I had a conversation with a friend today that was telling me that her baby had a, a flat head. And that yeah. the doctor said that the baby now needs to wear a helmet, helmet. 23 hours a day. Yeah. And I said Great. to her, Let, I think you should get a second opinion. Yeah. Because that can't be. Well, the flathead thing is is primarily, from my experience, mostly an aesthetic thing. It's not like it's going to have some sort of like impact on their cognition. We just don't want a flat head. Um, the good, the good, the good thing about a C-section is you end up, here's the plus with a gorgeous baby whose head is like flawlessly round right because it didn't have to make its way through your but then the flat heads from laying on the head the back yeah. too much yeah there's like a little pillow you can get too for I, I also think that the pillow comes with some like SIDS risks yeah well it's not sleep safe right that's another thing did you ever join a Facebook group about yeah. safe sleeping just whole nother topic <laughs> yeah yeah and it's like it's really really annoying because yes I'm not running around telling everyone like don't worry your baby's gonna be fine it's never gonna die because like I know that there are cases where babies have died from suffocation however back in the 80s and 90s well what we didn't talk about it people just put their babies wherever like now, all of a sudden, everyone's like so scared, so scared. But it's like babies have been happening for a really long time. And now, all of a sudden, everyone's like panicked about making sure that the baby's on the back. Yeah, back to sleep and swaddled and all this stuff. I have a snoo. We'll see if I really. Yeah, I used it and I really liked it. Yeah. He grew out of it after four months because he's just like a really big boy. Mm-hmm. But, you know, then sometimes he would like really. But the snoo hate- is not safe sleep they say in those groups it worked really really well for us for everyone that I talked to and you know he's doing really great again like maybe I'm just really lucky that my baby oh and he sleeps we did um baby wise sleep training and he now sleeps through the night usually from like 7 30 to 7 he's asleep oh sweet Tonight was a little later, but maybe he'll wake up a little later. But he also took a really long nap from like 4.30 to 6 or something. And I'm like, dude, wake up. (laughs) If you nap so long, you're going to forget. But but when when he was first born, we were on this crazy strict schedule of feed, wake, sleep, which is the baby wise way. And then it was like uh, they started to like you merge the feeds and then you get to a point where I don't know. They're sleeping 12 hours, which is what we have right now. Oh. Yay. So I'll look into that baby wise sleep. Yeah, it's a whole book and it gives you like schedules. But I think the whole theory is you start with these 
very like a three hour cycles of feeding, changing and playing with them and then sleep, mm-hmm. take, hanging and take a nap. And then you slowly expand the time that they're sleeping and then take away naps. And then all of a sudden they're sleeping 12 hours and taking two naps. And that's what we have right now. We're very happy. And he's just, I feel like he's very advanced. However, my fucking pediatrician has <laughs> underplayed his greatness. Oh. We've had a couple of different, well, we have like three pediatrician, but one of them will be like, isn't he amazing? And she's like, is he doing this? And we're like, yeah. And she's like very nonchalant. Like, okay. Yeah. Whatever. Yeah. <laughs> he looks good. And I'm like, no, he looks amazing. Right. He's, he's fantastic. Right. And it's like, she did, she didn't want to give us high fives. She was just like, yeah, he looks <laughs> good. everything looks good. Right. Like nothing. You're not going to say anything about how great like his penis is or nothing. whatever. <laughs> um, but he's um, like way off the charts in height and weight. So we're very, we're proud of how big he is, but I feel like it's really tough. Right. He decides to T and he's like busting out. So Did we're you at ever three. wear newborn? No. No. I have a bunch, but I hope. I just keep ordering dumb clothes on Amazon and Carter's and just all these clothes, so many clothes and so much toys. And it's just really a blast. It's just like living on Amazon ordering crap. (laughs) But luckily, it's like, honestly, we have to be thankful. Like if we were in the 80s, 90s and more, it would be going to Target, getting diapers, going to Target, getting and now we can just click a button and and price compare different diapers and boom. Yeah. It's not so bad. It's not so bad. Yeah, it just costs a bunch of money, but it's right. not bad when you have Amazon. Exactly. Or other other diaper companies. I mean, every single company has like a subscription thing and Yeah. It just works out really nicely for parents. It does cost a lot of money, but you can have all your crap delivered to your door. Yeah. Like, thank God I don't have to run to Target to get this, that, and the other. But the high chair situation. Oh, no. We, I like did all this research on high chairs and realized that the best one, um, my mom, when we went to go visit my mom, she borrowed a high chair from her neighbor and it's the cheapest high chair in the whole wide world. I think it's $15 or something like 19. Yeah. And it is the best high chair. But the problem is it's like permanently out of stock. Is it from Ikea? Yeah, it's Ikea. Yeah. I like that high chair, but as a speech pathologist, you want your child to be at a 90 degree angle and their feet at their knees at a 90 degree angle. And you need that foot rest. Oh, foot rest. But you can always put something on there to like put, because like, so what you want to do is you want to be able to bear down. I mean, your baby is big and strong. So he probably doesn't have any issues with, with swallowing, but there are babies that do. And in order to swallow, you have to be able to bear down. And if you don't have a footrest to put your feet on, then. Oh, see, it could be all, I could be doing it all wrong. No, that is the, I, that's how I knew it was the Ikea one. The Ikea one's so great. It's so Everyone funny. Went, yeah. It's so funny because there's the you're going online, you're like, oh, my kid needs a new bottle or a new this or a new binky or shoes or a jacket. It's like, there's the most expensive thing. There's the cheapest thing and there's everything in between. And sometimes it's like the cheap thing is the greatest purchase of your whole life. And then 
unfortunately, there's a lot of money and time wasted on things that he doesn't even is not into and then i've heard like one kid is obsessed with this toy and then other kid won't look at it so you're dealing with these personalities yeah you never know i don't like toys personally like even in speech therapy i don't i have like four toys that i like to use um, you probably have all kinds of good advice for me right now because he's nine months he's saying dada and i'm like how do we go past this point so all human beings, regardless of babies, or if you're an adult that had like a brain injury or something, we have to be able to practice. We have to copy physical movements prior to p- copying like verbal movements. So um, if you're working on mama and we need to get those lips together. So I would work on like, I would provide a little bit of assistance, like mama, like the over-exaggerating your own oral movements, but then also like putting his lips together and go ma. Um, something like that um, to get. He's doing him. a little. Oh, so you have a bilabial there. So if the B, M, and P are the lips coming together, he's so doing a lot of. Buh, that, buh, buh, buh. And, and I'm like, you what are you trying to say? A bottle or a ball? Yeah, I think I think possibly. I mean, I'm not so doing the best. Start saying yeah, but like if he's doing that, then you copy him and then you give him a represent representation that can be corresponding to that noise. So he's like, oh, every time I do ba 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 ba, somebody hands me a ball, <laughs> or somebody gives me a bottle, I'm gonna start ba 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 in all the time. Stuff like he's that. such a tank. He would love a bottle every <laughs> five seconds. I'm like. <laughs> Some people just complain that their kid's not eating enough. And I'm like complaining that he's never turned away food in his whole life and probably never will. I work with the kids that don't eat. So that's like a concern. Uh, You might have, you don't know. You might push out a, I hope not the hungriest kid on the planet. I hope I do. I want a hungry kid because just because of my experience with I, of all the, the areas of speech pathology, feeding is my least favorite. And it's just like an area I have not felt like I have excelled in. So if wow. I end up with a kid that has feeding issues or like, especially like picky feeding issues, uh, that's going to be a hard thing. For all, me. Kid, all moms figure it out. Like yeah. you are so equipped beyond the normal average mother, like you got this. If I, I tell people, I'm like, if I can do it, you can do it. Like (laughs) that's my advice for people. I go, if I can do it, you can do it. (laughs) And I let, I like allow myself to be the like sloppy comedian. Who's like barely hanging on. And I'm like, I can do it. You can do it. But I got a, I got a kid that I could handle. Like, yeah, but yeah, you have a very nice manageable big boy big 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 boy 30 pounds at nine months and counting (laughs) and he's been 30 pounds since he was like seven months so whatever but um he doesn't like peas and if there's like i get him like jars of food from whole foods because Mm -hmm. um um there's not enough time or in a day for me to go grocery shopping, cook mm-hmm. my own food, blend it. Like I thought I was going to do that. Yeah. When I was pregnant, I was like, and I'm going to make all my baby's food myself. And now right. there's, it's either I buy it from Whole Foods or he doesn't need it at all because there's not enough time to do any of that with the right. amount that this guy eats. So anyways, yeah. so I'm feeding him. And if there's even a little bit of pee, he'll be like, no, 
Like if I, it's like carrots, spinach, apples, and peas. He's like, I feel like there's a pea in there and I will not eat this. Um, so that's the one picky thing. He's like, doesn't like peas. no peas. And I'm like, you know what? I said, we were telling, I was like telling a friend, I was like, he doesn't like peas very much. And it's like, yeah, no one loves peas. Like, is it like what kid is <laughs> yeah. going bon- going bonkers for peas? Yeah, I mean, I actually do really like peas. I like. I just made pea soup this week. It's like the ugliest food there is, but I do really I like love peas. A pea soup. And whenever Mike makes anything like penny alla vodka, or he just made chicken pot pie, and I was like, he almost forgot the peas in it, and he had like cut open this the top of the pie to put peas in it because he knew I'd be disappointed but I'm a weirdo no I like peas as an adult yeah. I don't think that children Probably are known for loving no. peas and they're mushed peas too right they're not like whole peas yeah because we're doing like yeah. now I'm starting to do different foods and stuff I'm still I, I still find it really tricky with baby led weaning and things like that mm-hmm. and I'm like it sounds uh he's eating a bunch of food We'll yeah. just say that. Yeah. He's yeah. eating. I'm going to try. I mean, baby led weeding is my plan, but that's like the speech pathologist in me as well. Yeah. Um, sometimes I think that being so educated and so researched and so smart and working with kids could probably make you even more anxious or frightened because oh, you're yeah. so aware of. You know, everything that can go wrong. Is. Because yeah. I think I was like, I don't know, I hope it goes well. And like, uh, I didn't quite know the amount of what could go wrong. But the yeah. good news is nothing could go wrong. That's true. There's, there's, it's Schrodinger's cat. Do you know yeah. that? <laughs> it's like, the, it's like there's a cat in a box and the, the box is either, the cat is either dead or alive, but you don't know until you open the box. Mm. So the cat is in that moment, both dead and alive, theoretically, because yeah, you've got the element of unknown. I think like there's a chance you just have this perfect kid with no yeah. issues and loves to eat. And Hopefully, is... but I had such an easy pregnancy. So I had an easy pregnancy. Oh, I just really? got really big. Mm-hmm. There's no reason you should have any idea. Any- any idea that it's not going to be amazing and perfect it could be all right well i can't keep you here all night we gotta go so i really appreciate you doing this podcast thank you for having me you're gonna be in a two-part episode so um yeah i'm really excited to listen to watch your stand-up special that's coming out march 30th on itunes and amazon so many good pregnancy and labor jokes good Unexpected Podcast is recorded and produced by Deborah Brooks and is sponsored by the Sit Down with Mike Racine Podcast, SLP's Wine and Cheese Podcast, and the Dad Show with Mike Racine Podcast. For more unexpected content, head over to www.patreon.com slash Deborah Brooks CCC SLP. If you love the show, I'd appreciate a five-star rating and review on iTunes. Thanks again, and I'll see you next week. <laughs>